0: Hello, Crossroads family. Uh, Thanks for worshiping with us today, whether you're worshiping online or here in the Newburgh campus. I hope you and your family had a wonderful Christmas, and I'd love to be here with you today worshiping together. But on Christmas night, I received notification that there was a a possible COVID-19 exposure in my life. And so out of an abundance of caution, we came in and recorded this sermon on Saturday so that we could show it here today. Well, we've come to the end of the year. What a year this has been, 2020. I mean, can you imagine what you would have thought if somebody would have told you this time last year how 2020 would have played out? I mean, COVID-19 has wreaked havoc on almost every aspect of our life. It's challenged our patience, our relationships, our security, and maybe possibly even our faith. Throughout this year and in the Christmas season, we've tried to keep our eyes focused on Jesus by continuing to walk through the Gospel of John each week, learning how to live and to love like Jesus. The way Jesus lived and loves is pandemic proof. It's timeless, it's applicable for any generation, and I think it's essential. And you could say it's maybe more necessary now than ever. We've come to the end of our study of John. What an experience. I hope that as we've walked through these moments with Jesus, we've chased major themes, we've looked at the nuances of the Gospel of John, you've been captured by who Jesus truly is, that he's fully God and fully human, that he's the promised Messiah, the powerful miracle worker, the authoritative teacher. He is a humble servant. He's gentle yet bold. He is willing yet steadfast. He's the dying Savior. He is the risen Lord. He's our reigning and returning King. Remember all those I am statements Jesus made about himself as we've gone through this gospel? I hope before the year ends, you'll take some time just to look back through your journal. Look back through the things that we've learned about Jesus. And I would encourage you to make a list of some action steps, some way that you might live and love like Jesus. Maybe some goals or revolutions, resolutions for the new year. We've challenged you to read through the entire Gospel of John sometime in 2020. And the good news is, though it's taken us 52 weeks to teach through every of the 21 chapters, it actually would only take about three hours to read through the entire Gospel of John in one sitting. And so you have 72 hours left in 2020. I'd encourage you to give it a shot if you haven't already. Chapter 21 captures one of the last interactions that Jesus has with a person before going back to heaven. We started looking at this moment last week as we saw seven of Jesus' disciples who decided to go fishing. And we saw joy bursting forth when these seven men experienced a miraculous catch of fish. Now, these seven disciples had obeyed Jesus' instructions to go and meet him in Galilee. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 28, verse 10. This is where six of the seven men were from. It was their hometown. And while they were there, they decided to go fishing, not as an act of disobedience, but I think just to clear their mind and have some time for processing Jesus' death and now his resurrection. Well, they had been fishing all night and they had caught nothing. But when Jesus told them to put their nets on the right side of the boat, they experienced a mother load of fish. John records 153 big fish. They recognized the presence and power of Jesus in their life once again, and they enjoyed a breakfast that Jesus provided on the beach. I thought it might be fun to update you on how the Heller Hibachi Christmas Eve dinner went. Well, I'm glad to report today that we did not burn the house down. And also we didn't have to order pizza at midnight. It was a great evening. It was fun for us to just experience a tradition and to try our hand at providing that meal. Now, there were no smoking volcanoes. There was no egg in the top of the chef hat. We just tried to really make a meal and have a peaceful evening together. And it was a great time. Let's pick up uh, this moment in Jesus's life in John chapter 21. Begin reading in verse 15, where we'll see the redemption of Peter's past. John records, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Then a third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is a tender moment between Jesus and Peter. several commentators have indicated that these two might have taken a, a private stroll down the beach to be alone, to revisit some events that had happened right before Jesus' death. This moment where Peter had denied even knowing Jesus three times. It was just like Jesus had predicted. It was the biggest regret of Peter's life. He knew that he had really messed up this time. All the commentators stress that Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me three times as a direct correlation with the three times that Peter had denied knowing him. Now you might have heard sermons or read commentary about the use of these different words for love in this interaction. There are three different words in Greek that are translated love in English. They each have a unique picture of love. Two are used here. The word agape, which means unconditional love, and phileo, which means brotherly love. There's been a lot of questions about Jesus asking Peter, do you agape me, but Peter only being able or willing to commit to, yes, I phileo you. Most really just believe that John is using synonyms for the word love. And that was not anything new to John. He uses synonyms throughout his entire gospel for love, for bodies of water. And we'll see him doing it again in relationship to sheep and lambs and how to care for them in this passage. Jesus does ask Peter, do you truly love me more than these? Now, he could have been asking Peter, do you love me more than you love your fishing buddies? He could have been saying, Peter, do you love me more than these fish or nets or your boat? Now, these are not bad questions for any of us to answer. We learned last week that the the key to having joy in our life is to put Jesus first. But I think Jesus is really asking Peter a question that ties back to Peter's arrogant decree recorded both by Matthew in chapter 26, verse 33, and also Mark in chapter 14, verse 29, where Peter says, Even if all these fall away, Jesus, I will never. Are you familiar with the proverb, Proverbs 16, verse 18, that reads, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. We believe that there is a lot of wisdom that's recorded in the book of Proverbs and that's why we're going to kick off 2021 with a series dedicated to learning or gaining wisdom from God's word and his word found in Proverbs. In fact on Christmas Eve we provided a gift for every person. First of all a copy of Proverbs and we'd love for you to pick one of these up today if you're worshiping with us here in Newburgh. And also a highlighter that goes along with this copy of Proverbs. We're going to chase some very specific themes where we might all need wisdom as we go through the book of Proverbs. We're going to look for wisdom, for how to manage our finances, for how to lead our families, how to control the words that we use, and also how to find meaning and purpose in our work. You know, also, you can just simply download the YouVersion app of the Bible, and it has highlighter colors that you can choose. And in the front and online, we give you instructions of which color to use for which theme. We hope that you'll join us beginning on Sunday, January 3rd, as we begin this series called uh, Words of Wisdom. You know, Peter's countenance in this moment recorded in John 21 is, is much different than earlier. He was so overjoyed to see Jesus on the shore that morning that he jumped into the water and he swam to the shore to be with Jesus. John records that that Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? But he was also convinced that Jesus knew of his love. In verse 17, he says, Lord, you know all things. You know, when it comes to love, sometimes you just know, don't you? Well, Jesus always knows. Jesus knew Peter loved him despite all the sins of his past and really without a guarantee of any perfection in the future. And he expresses forgiveness to Peter and entrusts him with responsibility. Commentator N.T. Wright, Puts a a human perspective on this moment with Peter being reinstated and given responsibility. And he tells a story about his wife and him who invited a young man over for dinner. They had a pleasant meal. And then afterwards, the young man volunteered to help wash and dry, put away dishes. And in the process of cleaning up after dinner, this young man dropped a very expensive pitcher that shattered all over the floor. N.T. Wright and his wife, they they tried to comfort the young man. He just continued to apologize profusely and eventually left the the home just really downtrodden. But the real beauty of this moment was a week later, N.T. Wright and his wife invited the same young man back for dinner. He was a little hesitant, but he agreed to return. And upon his return, after finishing dinner, N.T. Wright and his wife deliberately asked this young man to help clean up after dinner. It was a way for them to express forgiveness, but also faith and belief in this young man. Peter loved and believed in Jesus, and Jesus loved and believed in Peter. Jesus' instructions to Peter to feed my sheep or take care of my lambs. It's really a strong challenge to follow Jesus' example of how he lives and how he loves. Jesus is the good shepherd described in John 10. He knows his sheep. He takes care of them. He feeds. He guides. He lays down his life for them. And now he's calling Peter to do the same, to follow him in what he is doing. Some have seen this as a unique call just to Peter, but I really believe it's for all of us because it echoes the words of Jesus in Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Jesus actually makes a prediction of how this will happen in Peter's life in the future. Continue reading with me in chapter 21, now verses 18 and 19, where we see Jesus make a prediction of Peter's future. Verse 18 reads, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, When you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. You know, everyone is always interested in how the future is going to play out. What's going to happen in the future? If Jesus told you everything about your future, how would you respond if you were truly able to know? Would you just pull the covers back up over your head? Would you never get out of bed again? Would you be despondent? Would you go wild? Well, Jesus clearly tells Peter he will die because of his faith. When he says you will stretch out your arms, well, that was a well-known reference in the ancient world to crucifixion. It was very similar to Jesus saying that he would be lifted up on a tree or lifted up on a pole, referring to crucifixion in John chapter 3. How did Peter respond knowing that he would die because of his faith in Jesus? Well, he lived, he led, and he served boldly. You know, if you want to read some more scripture before the end of this year, I'd encourage you to check out the book of Acts or First and 2 Peter. It shows how Peter's boldness changed the world. I can't tell you how you might die, but with complete 100% certainty, I can tell you that you will. The real question is not how you will die. The real question, the answer is, how will you live? Peter addressed how to live in 1 and 2 Peter. And if I was to sum it all up, I would say it would be simply this. If you truly love Jesus more than anyone or anything, respond by living and loving like Jesus. Holy, compassionate, gentle, bold, caring, and providing for the needs of others. Humble, servant-hearted, obedient, full of grace and truth. N.T. Wright writes, One of the big lies of our time is that Christianity has been part of the problem rather than the source of the solution. Most people today don't realize that the things we now take for granted, like education and health care, were reserved for the rich elite in the ancient world until Christians insisted on providing them for everyone within reach. Many imagined that Christianity was bad for women whereas early Christianity provided the biggest transformation of attitudes to women that the world's ever seen. The impact of Jesus on the whole world, even when his followers have been muddled or misguided, towers breathtakingly over all human achievement. Be amazed and awed once more at Jesus himself, who lived, who died, who rose to launch such a transformative vision. Everything that you have learned about Jesus is what it looks like to live and love like him. Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands, which means you'll live and love like I do. Love is a strong motivation for living and loving like Jesus, and it's the power to be transformed to living and loving like Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 15, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. As we grow in our love for Jesus, we want to live and to love like him. And it shouldn't really matter what anyone else is doing or how life plays out for them. Listen to what Jesus says to Peter next. We'll see uh, his words in chapter 21, verse 20 we'll see the focus of Peter's motivation. uh, John says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked him, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread about the believers that the disciple, this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You know, it looks like John might have been tagging along on this private walk that Jesus and Peter were taking. Peter is curious about John's future, maybe even just a little bit competitive because he's maybe still upset that John beat him to the tomb after they heard that Jesus had resurrected. I don't think John ever missed an opportunity to speak of himself, even if it's in the third person. Now, some have seen these verses as as being written by another person, but John uses third person often throughout his gospel. Jesus, in this moment, in plain English, says to Peter, it's not any of your business what happens to him. You follow me. You know, I, I'm planning on watching a lot of college football in the next couple of days. And there's a little bit of a pet peeve that has emerged in this recent era of sports, especially in those large arenas that have those jumbotrons, because it looks like the players, sometimes a, a football player getting ready to, to score a touchdown, looks up at the big screen to see how they're doing. You know, so many want to make following Jesus a competition or a comparison. As long as you're not as bad as that guy at work, well, then you're doing okay. Or as long as you don't s- tell as many rumors or lies as, as that other person, then you're doing okay. Or, or as long as you're not cheating on your taxes as much as the next person. Or as long as you don't use bad words when your team is playing bad, then it's okay, right? Well, the standard is not anyone else. It's Jesus. Jesus. Peter finally got that into his thick skull because later he writes these words in 1 Peter 1.15, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. We have an audience of one as we live our lives here on earth. And we have one example, Jesus. He is both our audience and our example. Everything that John has written and what we've learned about Jesus from our study of the life of Jesus points to the truth that he is worthy of our worship and our followership. That's the testimony that John is making as he closes the gospel account. So let's look at these last two verses recorded in John 21. We'll see the conclusion of his gospel. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the, even the whole world would not have room for the books. That would be written. I think in this moment we should picture John with his left hand on the Bible, raising his right hand in the air, swearing that he has told the truth, nothing but the truth, the whole truth, all with God's help. He was an eyewitness, he was convinced of who Jesus was, and he abandoned everything to follow Jesus. And even though John wasn't martyred, his path was still full of boldness and courage to write an accurate account of the life and ministry of Jesus so that those in his present day and even us nearly 2,000 years later would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we would have life in his name. John states that this this very clearly is not an exhaustive account. There are many other things that Jesus did in his life so many that there wouldn't be enough room for all the books that could be written. I think John is using hyperbole here, but I hope that you understand that Jesus stands as the figure of his central figure of history and of humanity. Literally, it's estimated that 1500 books are written annually about Jesus. And that's in addition to movies, art, even hospitals and universities that have been have Jesus as the subject of their work or the source of their inspiration. One of those books was written by a guy named John Ortberg, and it's entitled, Who is This Man? And it documents how Jesus impacted history and humanity. Check out this uh, promo for the book. I think it puts Jesus' impact into great perspective.
1: On the day after his death, it looked as if whatever small mark he left on the world would rapidly disappear. Instead, his impact on human history has been unparalleled. You're reminded of him every time you look at a calendar or pick up a map. His influence is so enduring. That we name our children after his friends while we name our dogs after the rulers of his day. His teachings applied through the ages fueled the civil rights movement, formed the basis for the separation of church and state, elevated the status of women, led to the development of hospitals, and even inspired the founding of the world's top universities. All this from a man who could have been voted least likely to change the world. Anyone who takes the time to examine his teachings and try out his way of life ends up asking themselves in wonder, who
0: is this man? Literally millions of people have focused their life and their death on the truth of who Jesus is. And my hope is that I've prayed over this past year as we have journeyed through the gospel of John, that you have come to a full awareness of who Jesus is and that you have also come to a place of full commitment to base how you live and how you love on him. I think it's the only way to live and really it's the only reason worth dying. The most common argument that I often have heard for not following Jesus is not really, you know, I just don't believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Actually, the, the most common argument that people often give to resist following Jesus is this I don't know if Jesus can forgive me for what I've done. I love that John ends his account of Jesus' life focused on the forgiveness that Peter received from Jesus for literally an act of betrayal at Jesus' lowest moment. When you think of all the bad things that someone could do to you, this is one of the worst. Betrayal from a friend, denying even knowing you. And yet Jesus looks right at Peter, right in the eyes, and he offers him forgiveness. That's powerful love. That leads to life. It's the kind of love that mends hearts, that heals wounds, that raises the dead and restores hope. It's the kind of love that goes looking for lost sheep. It's the kind of love that burns brightly, so brightly that it draws us to Jesus and it compels us to live and to love like him. And this love transforms us from the mess we've made of our lives into the new creation through Jesus' death and resurrection and into his mission through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we close our journey through the Gospel of John, I wanted to close with good news. Jesus came to show you a love that has the power to reach you no matter who you are, no matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done. And this love is displayed in a way, the way that Jesus lived and the way that he died, and he has the, it has the power to redeem and restore you no matter what. So I want to ask you to consider What might be the biggest regret that you have ever had in your past, or maybe just in this year so far? Like Peter, we all have a list of things that we wish we wouldn't have done. When you walked into worship today, you received a card like this. And I want you to pull it out. If you're worshiping with us online, we can provide this card or this prompt in the chat. I want to ask you to think and to write down something that you've done that you regret, that you would love to see God's love break through and overcome. The truth of the matter is this. Jesus knows exactly what you and I have done, and yet he still invites us to breakfast. He still offers us forgiveness. He still gives us the responsibility of sharing the good news with the world around us once we've experienced The smell of charcoal burning on the beach that day kind of took Peter quickly back to that moment where he had denied Jesus. But it didn't leave him there. Jesus offered Peter forgiveness. He entrusted to him the work of sharing the good news with the world. By the way, he would live and love from that point forward. So we're going to give you a chance to experience that same forgiveness today. As you leave today, we actually have some charcoal fires prepared out on the sidewalks. And I want to encourage you to take that card and take what you've written on that and drop it in that fire as an act of of. Forgiveness that, that God is reaching out to you, that He his love is bigger than whatever you may have written down. I want you to enter this new year with hope and peace and faith and joy and love, following Jesus every step of the way. We have people who are willing to pray with you and also just to walk alongside you as do you discover this forgiveness that Jesus offered Peter on the beach that day and he offers to you right now. One of the ways you can let us know that you'd like to experience this forgiveness is just by simply texting the word now to 812-858-8668, and we will follow up with you. Would you pray with me? God, this has been an incredible year. I use the word incredible because I believe that your love and your power and your strength has overshadowed the challenges that we may have faced in our life, regardless whatever it may have been, COVID or anything else, Lord. I believe that Jesus has, has jumped off the page as we've studied through the gospel of John. God, it's done my heart good to, re, to realize who Jesus truly is, to fear, feel his invitation for me to follow him, to, to make adjustments in my life through his spirit working in me and, and the power of your love compelling me, Lord, to follow his example. And I pray that's been true for every person who, who's heard the words of John who's joined us in this journey, or maybe he's just here today for the very first time. God, my prayer is that all of us would recognize that Jesus truly is your son, that he truly is the only way to life, and he is the only person that we should follow. And so I pray that as we live and as we love like him, God, that we would experience the the faith and the peace and the joy and the hope and the love that he came to bring us, not just at Christmas, but every day of our life. And that we would live and love differently than anyone else in the world who doesn't know Jesus. And God, I pray for that person who may have come in today just maybe ready to, to call it quits, would know that you love them so very much that you gave Jesus for them. To live, to die, and to love them. And I pray, Lord, that all of us would experience that forgiveness and grace, that all of us would take that message to the world around us. And I pray that through the powerful name of Jesus, amen.